This message comes from NPR sponsor HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. This is NPR's Life Kit, and I'm Rachel Martin. When the author Julia Cameron first got sober, she was told to pray, to pray to stay sober. Uh, And I said, you don't understand. I have 16 years of Catholic education. That's the grease slide to agnosticism. But she found over time that prayer led her to deeper creativity. As a writer, this was important. And in 1992, she wrote the best-selling book, The Artist's Way. That book taught the basics for unblocking creativity. Cameron's latest book is called Seeking Wisdom. It combines the creative practices of the artist's way, like morning pages, with a new intentional practice, prayer. I think that all of us have a deep inner need for a higher power. Uh, And I think uh, that when we try to contact that power, uh, we are given grace. Prayer will look, feel, and sound different for a lot of us. But Cameron says it doesn't matter how it comes out. Ultimately, praying brings a kind of freedom. You may start out like I did, sort of cornered into prayer. As you go along trying to put together a daily practice of morning pages and prayer, uh, you may find yourself feeling expanded. Morning pages train you to expand. In this episode of Life Kit, you'll hear my conversation with Julia Cameron about different kinds of prayer, what morning pages can offer us, and her own creative recovery. This message comes from NPR sponsor Defender. With the Defender family of vehicles built for the modern explorer, The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. From the reimagined exterior to the robust interior with innovative, award-winning infotainment system to keep you connected. The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the four-door Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. This message comes from NPR sponsor HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads. Fast closing deals. Wildly happy customers. And more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. You write about your own experiences with prayer and that it was really your own sobriety that put you not just on a more creative path, but that led you to to God, as you define that to be, and to prayer. But what really works about this book is that you don't expect people to define God in the same way, quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. 
talk about what it means to have a God that works for you as you write. Well, what happened to me the day that I got sober was that they said, now if you want to stay sober, you have to pray. And I was offended. In other words, prayer wasn't going to be the antidote for you, or so you thought. Right. So they said, uh, well, you must believe in something. Uh, And I thought about it. Uh, And then I said, yes, I do believe in something. I believe in a line of poetry from the poet Dylan Thomas, the force that through the green fuse drives the flower. I said, I could pray to that creative energy. It wasn't an anthropomorphic God. Uh, It was a God that captured my imagination. Mm. They said, now, when you get up in the morning, say, please keep me sober. And when you go to bed at night, say, thank you for keeping me sober. So what I felt like was that I was being cornered into praying. But I was so worried about drinking again uh, that I did decided to do what they told me to do. And when did it start to feel like you were getting something out of it? Well, I think what happened was I I wanted to remain a writer. And so they they said to me, well, let your higher power, your your creative energy, your line of poetry, let that write through you. And what I found out was was that my writing straightened out. Before that, I had always tried to be brilliant, to to write the very best thing that could be written. Uh, And once I started letting the higher power write through me, I put up a little sign near my writing station, and it said, Okay, God, you take care of the quality. I'll take care of the quantity. So that was when prayer began to feel effective to me. Yeah. In the book, you lay out different types of prayer that have worked for you, that have worked for your friends and loved ones. Can you offer just a short definition of what that looks like? Well, the first form of prayer that I talk about in the book is called a prayer of petition. Uh, And it's when you are asking God for something, a boon, a favor, a blessing, a grace. Uh, And I sometimes think of it as the Santa Claus prayer because you're asking for something and you're, you're hoping that the higher power will deliver it. You need to remind yourself that God is far-seeing and has the longer view and may have something better in store for you than what you yourself had planned. So that's the first form of prayer. You also talk about prayer in the form of praise 
And gratitude in particular, how does gratitude play into your daily prayer practice? When we talk about prayers of gratitude, we're talking about something very personal. Uh, And it's as though you've said your prayers of petition, and now you move on and you talk about what you're grateful for, which is personal. It might be, I'm grateful for my curly hair. (laughs) I'm grateful for my dog. You start out with a small list, uh, and as you write, more things come to you. Uh, And prayers of gratitude move you from pessimism into optimism. And do you need optimism to be creative? I think it's a big help. I mean, this is what your best-selling book, The Artist's Way, was all about. I remember a friend giving me my copy when I was in my mid-20s. And it was very practical. It had very laid out very practical steps on how to live with more intention and how that could show up in creative ways. And a lot of it was about setting very specific routines for yourself. And you you recommend that in this book as well, right? Developing daily practices. And, and central to that is the idea of morning pages. Can you explain what that means? Well, I'd love to explain morning pages. They are sort of the bedrock tool of what I call a creative recovery. And what they are are three pages of longhand morning writing that you do first thing on awakening. Uh, And they can be about anything or everything. They often feel scattered. You find yourself saying, I forgot to call my sister back. I didn't remember to buy kitty litter. (laughs) You find yourself saying the car has a funny knock in it. I, I think I should get it looked at. Minus the cat stuff. Those are all the mumblings of my mind in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, right? So you're giving me permission to then just put all that, dump it on the page. Yes, I tend to say you're ventilating your negativity. What does that do for you as you move through your day? Well, it keeps you from being sidetracked by other people's agendas. Mm. Say more about that. Well, when you write uh, your morning pages, you're writing down, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, (laughs) this is what I want more of, this is what I want less of. You want to be authentic. You want to tell people precisely how it is you are feeling. Uh, And what I find with morning pages is that they puncture denial. Whereas we might have said previously, I feel fine. With morning pages, you define fine. You say, this is what I mean by fine. You talk about other other parts of your spiritual routine, going for a walk, for example, which can be its own form of prayer and meditation. And something called an artist date. Explain what that means. Well, I would say it's the second primary tool of a creative recovery. Uh, And what it is, 
is once a week, I ask you to go play, to go do something that interests or enchants you, something uh, festive. Uh, so it has two parts to it, artist, which is you, and date, which is something you look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I find, it's interesting, when I teach, if I say, I have a tool, it's a nightmare. You have to wake up 45 minutes early and work. The, and it's called morning pages. Uh, and people will say, oh, work. I get it. I'm going to work on my creativity. Mm-hmm. But then if I say, now, once a week, I want you to let yourself go play, just sheer frivolous play. People cross their arms, tilt their heads skeptically to one side, uh, and say to me, Julia, I don't see what play has to do with creativity. Because they think it just seems, they, they think it seems frivolous or... I think so. Yeah. I love that. That was one of my <laughs> that was one of my favorite prescriptions that you had. It's just the ability to just go do something that's that you don't normally give yourself permission to do. That does seem like some frivolity or luxury and just see what happens, right? Just just see what comes to you in that moment. See who you meet, see see what befalls you when you put yourself in in a different circumstance open to play yes why do you believe spirituality and creativity are so intrinsically linked i have found that if i teach people to work on their creativity their spirituality wakes up hmm. and if i try teaching about spirituality their creativity wakes up so the two seem to me to go hand in glove. Uh, and I think we have a lot of negative mythology around creativity. We tend to believe in the image of a suffering artist and that yes, creativity yeah. is born out of pain. What I have found is that creativity is born out of happiness which is a radical step to take. Hmm. Julia Cameron. Her new book is called Seeking Wisdom, A Spiritual Path to Creative Connection. Julia, what a pleasure it's been to talk to you. Thank you. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure talking with you as well. For more Life Kit advice, check out other episodes. We've got one on how to start a creative practice and another on managing jealousy. You can find those at npr.org slash lifekit. And if you love Life Kit and want more, and who doesn't, subscribe to the newsletter at npr.org slash lifekit newsletter. This episode of Life Kit was produced by Claire Marie Schneider. Megan Kane is the managing producer. Beth Donovan is the senior editor. Our production team also includes Audrey Wynn, Andy Tagle and Janet Ujung Lee. Our digital editor is Beck Harlan. Special thanks to Avery Keatley. 
I'm Rachel Martin. Thank you so much for listening. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsored Train. Leading your organization to higher profits and performance requires a strong foundation. In the face of industry changes, emissions requirements, and new legislation, it takes a high-performing building. Train creates turnkey energy strategies for businesses to lower their carbon footprints, prepare for a sustainable future, and meet the needs of occupants and business commitments alike. Open the door to better opportunities at train.com slash energy services. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR.